For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Countdown continues to the big game. That would be Super Bowl 57 between the Kansas City Chiefs and your Philadelphia Eagles. Your Birds 365 guys are John McMullen and Jody McDonald as we are getting that much closer to kickoff JM. I give us a mindset. You've covered a team that's gone to a Super Bowl before, had to get away from home, do the whole media thing, be gone for a week. Four days out. Where are they at preparation-wise, mindset-wise? Where do you think the Eagles sit tomorrow, getting uh, today, getting that much closer to uh, Super Bowl 57? Um, they're probably sick of it by now, uh, to be honest. I, you know, I brought That's up another thing you, you know, got to know how to cope with, yep, right? Yep, I uh, brought up all Sean yesterday. I'll bring him up again. Uh, he's <laughs> he wasn't having it with some of the goofball questions uh, by midweek I would say um, yeah and you just got to fight through it obviously today is uh, Wednesday I got to think myself so um, you know it's a Sunday game so today's walk through Wednesday that's what essentially they'll do and you know you'll start seeing injury reports and all that kind of good stuff and Thursday will be the big practice of so, you know Nick's been very cognizant of keeping everything as normal as you can um yeah, a little bit of an advantage uh from being the home team obviously you toggle back and forth uh for the super bowl between afc and nfc the team designated uh to be the home team i think the advantage there is they get to practice at the cardinals facility uh, more of an nfl vibe and and the chiefs have to go to arizona state 
just a little bit of an advantage. Um, but you try to keep everything as normal as possible, and sometimes it's difficult. Uh, but I, I think even that is, you know, maybe there's a little bit of, of, of getting used to it in the first quarter, but you quickly get into it. And maybe there's a little bit coming out of the – halftime because it's a much longer halftime than usual because of the, the halftime show and all that kind of stuff. But I think ultimately both teams settle down and it becomes, you know, who's better on that particular day. But yeah, I, I, they're going to be tired of it by this point. There's no question that because they're getting the same question. I mean, Nick Sirianni, I asked Nick Sirianni on zoom about his first meeting with Andy Reid. Um, after winning the NFC championship game. So that was Tuesday. I think they took Monday off. That was Tuesday after the championship game. That was the first time he's got asked that question. He's been asked that question now every single day, every single day, it gets tiresome. And then you have the, you know, probably the worst question of all, you know, Taylor Sirianni became a bit famous for her hand gestures, making fun of her dad uh, on the podium. Um, you know, he got the, who who on the Eagles wouldn't you want to date uh, Taylor? And he's like, Taylor's five years old. I was like, what kind of question is that? Um, so, yeah, they're probably tired of it. Understood. And you mentioned the uh, injury reports. Uh, they become official as of today, and yeah, you're right. It'll be a walk through Wednesday, so it'll be estimated rather than hard and fast. But you can just judge by who's out there in practice, and it looks like we've got two pretty good, healthy teams. Uh, Nicole Hardman, uh, not the wide receiver, but a wide receiver and a guy who can get deep uh, for the Chiefs is not going to play in this game. They put him on the IR. They didn't even want to deal with the – uh, speculation of the possibility he did play in the AFC championship game was limited, re-injured himself. There was no way he's going to play in the Super Bowl, so they went ahead and IR'd him. But the rest of their wide receivers did practice yesterday. They got the Legarius uh, Sneed, their top cornerback, back from concussion protocol. Uh, Vontae Maddox may have been in a walking boot last week, but he's uh, walking around fine this week. So it looks like, except for Hardman, Johnny Mack, we got two healthy teams going into this Super Bowl. Yeah, as healthy as possible. Obviously, you know, as you mentioned, the guys on injured reserve, everybody available should be available to play. Um, you know, maybe the biggest question is punter for the Eagles because we're not going to know that. Um He's playing that up to the hilt, but they started Aaron Sipas's window. But remember, he remains on injured reserve, so you don't even have to uh, put him on the injury report because he's still on IR. Um, so that'll, you know, come down Saturday, whether they activate him or not. And, you know, that's, that's the biggest injury news you're talking about. Abante was, you know, that was – I was told last week that was a precaution when he was back in the walking boot. And, you know, he, he probably saw some video fans probably saw some video of him joking around at Super Bowl opening night. He's walking around fine. So he's going to play. I'm, I'm not even concerned about that. Um, so, yeah, um, and it's a Super Bowl. So everybody who can be out there is going to be out there. 
And let's be honest, uh, whether uh, it's Kern or CPAS, if you're doing the matchup thing, and we've been doing plenty, and we'll do it right <laughs> up until game, uh, their, their defense, where's the Eagle defense? The Eagles linebackers against the Kansas City linebacker. You match a punter, that's an issue. Uh, yeah. It doesn't which matter. Is kinda, when- well, by the way, which is, I did that, Jody, because you have to do it. It's part of the gig. Right. You know, linebackers, linebackers. Which is silly, and I always said I've said to my editors from day one, their linebackers don't play the Eagles linebackers, but you know it is what it is. But you're right, punter. Uh, yeah, Tommy Townsend's an All Pro, so if it comes down to the punter, you're probably in trouble. Good news is, you know, it's the punter. I wouldn't worry about it that much. And I do think it's going to be a high scoring game without much activity from either of the two punters. Uh, but uh, we do have to wait to Sunday before we get there. Um, off the Monday, uh, media day and little availability yesterday. One of the guys whose uh, quote I appreciated because I thought it was uh, both honest and important was Brandon Graham, one of the uh, stalwarts of the Philadelphia Eagles, who is a uh, Super Bowl champion uh, from being a big part uh, for his fumble, uh, maybe the biggest play in the game, as a matter of fact, against the Patriots. I liked his quote on matching up against the Chiefs you can't play scared against Patrick Mahomes. And I think that really does tap into the way the Eagles have to play defense on Sunday. We all know Mahomes is good. He's very good. He's the MVP. He might be the biggest star in the National Football League. Tom Brady now officially retired. If you had to ask me, who do I think is the face of the NFL Right now, I'd probably say Patrick Mahomes before I would say anybody else. We know how good he is. He's the best quarterback the Eagles have played all year long. All that being said, Eagles can't play scared against him. You don't have any fear that that will be the case on Sunday, do you? No. One thing I've learned from NFL players is they don't generally uh, fear much. Um, You know, and sometimes that might be uh, not a good thing. but yeah, I mean, they don't, and certainly teams that are as successful as the Eagles, you know, they have a lot of confidence in themselves and uh, I, I don't tend to worry about things like that, but yeah, with Patrick Mahomes, it's, it's more about, and we talked about it with Jason Cole yesterday. I mean, this is a, this is a generational quarterback. This is, we're five years in Jody, as him, remember, he didn't start his rookie season, so. Um, he's been a starter for five years. He's made the AFC championship game. That's been the floor. You know, you, you go back to Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, right? There was a ramp up period. Aaron Rodgers, who I think you know, you've been with me long enough to know what I think of Aaron Rodgers. There was a ramp up period. Now, again, he had the rookie year. He got to sit and watch, but then he's thrown into the deep end of the pool and it's been just win, 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 80% winning percentage. And the playoffs, when it's supposed to be tougher because you're playing the the, the toughest competition, he's 10 and 3. That's like 767, whatever. It's still, I mean, all this all this kid do, does is win football games. And, you know, the numbers are off the charts. Um, everything about him is spectacular so you got to be wary you have to understand what you're up against but 
fearful. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's not the right word. Um, I think, I think cognizant, you know, you got to be aware of what you're dealing with is, is the right word, but the arm angles, the, 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 he can make plays and, and Jason brought this up as well. He can make plays that other guys can't make that you can't even put in the game plan because they can't make those throws. They can't do those things. And there's very few. He mentioned John Elway, Aaron Rodgers. He's in that category. He's that type of quarterback that can just, you'll think a play's over. No, it's not over with him. And one of the things that, and I know I've said it on Birds 365, I've been saying it on the air for 30 some odd years, that I think, the NFL has always lacked, and I just don't understand, John, and I've never been a coach, but I, I think I would emphasize this more if I were a coach in the league when it comes to putting pressure on the quarterback. Not enough guys get their hands up. That You can't always get there. You and I have had our ongoing debate about how important pressures are. Well, uh, I'm a sack guy. You're a pressure guy. You give more credit for pressures than I do. But here's one thing that guys just don't do enough in the national football. Get your hands up. Make it difficult. When you get there, get your hand up. Get it in the passing lane. Sometimes you're going to get a batted ball. Sometimes you get a tip ball. goes up there. You get an interception. And there are some guys that have been good in it for their entire career in the NFL. They're few and far between. Guys just don't get their hands up. Now, I get it. You got a 300-pound guy mauling on you while you're trying to do it. It's not the easiest thing in the world. I'm talking about it as if it's uh, just walking down the street. It's not. But this is one guy you don't even bother with that. Because if if you get your hands up, he's just going to throw it around you anyway. He's going to drop down and throw it sidearm when you get your hands up. So, hey, I'm not going to get – you will not hear me on Monday go, and the Eagles didn't get their hands up in the passing lane. Don't even bother. Just get yeah. him, get to him, get to him, yeah. knock him down, push him, do whatever you want. If you get your hands on him in any way, shape, or form, do it because he can make magical plays out of angles that nobody can even see. Yeah, I, I've said I've made the comp. He, to me, he's the Steph Curry of the the uh, NFL. He's He does things you're not supposed to do. Um, and if you do it, it's the old, if you're a coach and you're watching on the sidelines, you say, no, 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 no. And then, yes, 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 because he can do it. And if somebody else tried it, it would look like a disaster. Um, and that's sort of the type of, of, of talent he is. Um, and and I bring up Steph because, you know, when you're taking 35 footers, that's not a good shot typically, Jody. But for, for, him, right. <laughs> for him, it's a good shot. Uh, for everybody else, it's really, really bad. And that's, that's sort of the type of player he is. And yeah, yeah, he's, and when he's on the field, I always said this about Green Bay and Rogers, uh, um, as you know, when he was at, at the top of his game, they felt they were going to win every game and they should have felt that way. Same thing with Kansas city right now. And we have brought you Eagle guys the first two days of the week. We're going to have Eagle guys for sure uh, tomorrow and uh, Friday as well. We decided to broaden the scope a little bit today. In hour number two, we're going to have our bud, Mike Tanier from footballoutsiders.com. Give us a little bit of a national perspective. And oh, by the way, Eagle fans who love being the underdog, I hate to tell you, 
national perspective, underdog is not, not the there underdog. Not no, the underdog. They're not in Las Vegas, and they're not in the opinion of a lot of uh, national guys. We will get the opinion of Mike Tanier. But coming up next, we always like to try and give you the opposition's point of view. Uh, so uh, joining us from Kansas City is uh, Farzeen Vasugian, who covers the Kansas City Chiefs for arrowheadaddict.com. That's fan sided outlet. Uh, he's been covering the Chiefs all year. He'll give us some insight as to where Kansas City is at right now and the big matchup between the Eagles and the Chiefs. So Farzeen Vasugian from uh, arrowheadaddict.com is going to join Johnny Mac and Jody Mac next here on Birds 365. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! 
appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 with Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. When you have as big of a matchup as we do in fifth, uh, Super Bowl 57, you got to go behind enemy lines. You got to know what you're facing come 6.30 on Sunday. So we're going to get some Kansas City Chief insight from a guy who covers them day in and day out, does a great job for arrowheadaddict.com. And he was very good when he came on my CBS Sports Radio national uh, show. Uh, Farzine Vesugian from arrowheadaddict.com jumps in with us. Farzine, we're getting the feeling here in Philadelphia about what it's like to be back in the Super Bowl. They were there five years ago, took a little bit of a respite, now back again. Old hat for the Chiefs fans and the people in Kansas City, their third and five years. Any ho-hum aspect to this Super Bowl for them? <laughs> uh, boy, it feels like a long time. Uh Oh, because they missed the year. It's been a long time. Yeah. Listen uh, to you. Yeah. Maybe it's because of the pandemic. I don't know. Uh, time, time works interesting during the pandemic. But the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, I'm sure you guys all saw, uh, it was just a really poor showing for Kansas City. True. Um, so many things happened in that game. Patrick Mahomes, the offensive line, dealt with a lot of backups. I think only one player was not a backup yeah. in that game. Two drop passes in the end zone. And I think a lot of people remember Andy Reid's son was involved in that uh, car accident, and then people feel like that really took up a lot of his headspace. Um, so, so there was just so much going on in that game. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people just want to see the Chiefs come out, uh, not just competitive in this one, but come away with the win because of the way things went last time, especially with all this legacy talk going on with Patrick Mahomes. And now you see the Eagles. You mentioned, I know this is Jalen Hurts' first Super Bowl, but still does the team that was in the Super Bowl not too long ago. So, both teams trying to win their second Super Bowl in recent memory, so it's definitely a big deal. And, uh, yeah, I know so much is being made about the Andy Reid Bowl and the Kelsey brothers, and, the, and that's great and all that. But, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, both teams have a lot of young guys uh, that didn't play the last time uh, these two teams won a Super Bowl. So a lot, a lot of players looking for their first ring as well. Yeah, a lot of players who didn't play based last year when they based off. Uh, much different. I think it was week four in 2021. Uh, where Kansas City sort of beat the Eagles in a shootout. Uh, Eagles weren't ready at that point. But one thing, you know, Parzine, you talked about Patrick Mahomes and legacy. The guy's 27 years old. He's been a starter. I was just telling Jody for five seasons, uh, the Chiefs have made the championship game at least. That's been the floor for this team. Yeah. Um, it's a It's a pretty amazing run, and that's where I want to start it. How do, how do you throw for 5,250 yards and you lose Tyreek Hill? I mean, I look at the receivers on the Chiefs and I say, well, you know, kind of pedestrian. Well, and then well, you look at Patrick Mahomes and say, wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's really surreal. Uh, I'll tell you what, the people in Kansas City, you know, for years we've just been begging for the team to take a quarterback in the first round and they keep passing on all these guys. And now it's like, yeah, this is worth the wait. You, you look at what Patrick Mahomes did. Uh, having Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, a lot of people tried to discredit him and says, well, anyone can throw that many yards and touchdowns with those two guys. Well, you take away Tyreek Hill. And a lot of people thought Patrick was going to have probably his worst year uh, missing the AFC championship game. Some even thought missing the playoffs. But, you know, I think pass protection was a really big key, uh, something the Chiefs did not have in that Super Bowl we alluded to, Super Bowl 55. Um, I mean, you've got uh, an all-pro uh, center. You've got a, a really good right guard in Trey Smith, both drafted last year. Joe Tooney, who came over from the Patriots last year, 
another elite offensive guard. Uh, and then you have Orlando Brown, who, you know, was a pro bowler this year, but maybe uh, one of the um, pro bowl invites that weren't as deserved. But at times he does have his, um, his ups and downs. Uh, I think as long as the pass protection is there, Patrick Mahomes can do anything out there. Um, yeah, of course you'd love to have Tyreek Hill. I think everyone would love to have Tyreek Hill back in in a moment's notice. But this is a guy that knows how to distribute the football and get so many people involved. Uh, the only returning wide receiver this year was McCole Hardman, who has dealt with some injuries in the second half of the season. And the fact that he's doing this with essentially a whole new crew of wide receivers and Travis Kelsey really being the only pertinent returning pass catcher um, that's still an active part of the piece right now uh, is pretty impressive. Uh, but Patrick just does a great job of distributing the football all across the field, not just to Travis Kelsey, but even to the backup tight ends on this team. All, all three of them uh, have been uh, really important keys uh, when they've been available. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get the wide receivers involved as well. Uh, there have been some good depth guys this year from Sky Moore and Justin Watson, and that's really been uh, a big factor for Mahomes as to why he's probably going to win MVP tomorrow. Fawazin, let me ask you about the Chiefs offensive line. Um, Andrew Wiley at uh, right tackle is probably, I don't want to call him a weak link, but compared to the Kansas City offensive line, which is damn good, the Eagles had rated by Pro Football Focus, number one offensive line. Chiefs, three, three or four, they, they do have one of the best lines in the National Football League and have done a pretty damn good job of protecting Mahomes all year long. But if that's their weak link, and you've got Hassan Reddick is having a career year, shoot, an all-time Eagle year in sacks going mano a mano. Will Andy Reid look to give help? Uh, we remember Andy first time here in Philadelphia. You tell me if he's changed. He's a guy who kind of believes in his offensive line and leaves him out there, and he's not going to be using a tight end on every single play to uh, help out or a back staying in to chip a uh, line, line, uh, rushing lineman. Are they going to try and help Wiley? And if they do, how do you think Andy Reid will go about doing it to try and neutralize Sasan Reddick? That's a really good question. I, that's something I've been talking about for the majority of the playoffs because the Chiefs don't have uh, a really strong presence at offensive tackle, uh, uh, both both sides, uh, both left and right. Um, you know, you've got some options of, of putting a tight end there. Blake Bell's a, a big guy. Uh, you know, he he comes in and does the quarterback sneaks because. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Patrick. Oh, Holmes the Belldozer. Yeah, the Belldozer. Yes, Bell. at Oklahoma. Yeah, from, um, yeah. yeah, I remember um, in 2019, the Chiefs did do a quarterback sneak with Mahomes and he injured his knee. The Chiefs have never run a quarterback sneak with him ever. They're paying the guy more than $500 million and they've never run a quarterback sneak with him since then. So Blake Bell kind of does some of that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you could use him as a blocker. The Chiefs do have a lot of confidence in their two running backs. Jarek McKinnon and the rookie Isaiah Pacheco, I mean, they do a great job when it comes to pass protection as, as blockers there. So I think Andy Reid has a lot of confidence in those guys. I would be surprised if we see uh, a set where you, you have a tight end lined up beside the offensive tackles for their sole purpose to block because we haven't really seen much of that uh, from Andy Reid, uh, even though I, I, I've been calling for it all, all year long, but they're not doing it. So I'd be very surprised if we do that this time. But if there was ever a time to do it, it's against a team that has the most sacks in the NFL. Um, so th that'll be interesting to see how Andy Reid tries to uh, approach this this week. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think that's going to be the key matchup in this game, Farzine, is how the Chiefs offensive line deals with the Eagles' defensive line. I, I think, you know, if, if the Chiefs are able to, to, to block, they're going to score some points, and all of a sudden you can win 
sort of a shootout type of game. So I think it's important. But you mentioned a name there I, I want to get to, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, and, and the fact that he's a South Jersey kid. Jody and I are from South Jersey. Uh, so he's an interesting local story. Saw the Chiefs activated Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's not going to be involved, though. I mean, this is Pacheco's team right now. It's the lead back, correct? Oh, 100%. Isaiah Pacheco's done a great job uh, this year. Uh, and, and a lot of people, if you listen uh, to uh, the announcers that have called Chiefs games this year on TV, on CBS, Fox, ESPN, wherever, they all keep asking the question, how is this guy a seventh-round pick? This guy should have taken been taken much sooner. And then you also have Jarek McKinnon, who was really good for the Chiefs uh, in the end of the last regular season and in the postseason. And again, this year with Clyde getting hurt, McKinnon has been has become a more active player. That, that he just won uh, AFC Offensive Player of the Month for the uh, months of uh, December and half of January. So the things that the, the Chiefs are able to do with those two running backs, and especially Pacheco, the speed he has, the toughness. A lot of people in, in, in Kansas City label him as the guy that loves to run angry. And you know he's done some things at kick return as well. Uh, and the Chiefs haven't really been able to select a number one outright return specialist this year. And part of it's because Hardman's been injured. Tony's kind of been inconsistent with his availability, but Chuck has been a guy on offense, man. He, he really has been a great story. And a lot of people here are happy to have him in Kansas city. Patrick Wilms made a comment on Super Bowl media night that this is a guy who's going to be here for a long time. And is going to be a staple for this offense for quite some time. And I really hope that's the case because I'll tell you what, man, I would not want to go up against that guy. I, I really wouldn't. I know he's been nominated. I don't know if he actually won angry runs on good morning football on the NFL network, <laughs> but he was nominated at least twice. I know I, I watch it every Tuesday morning. I, uh, we talked about the chiefs wide receivers and the fact that Nicole Hardman is not going to play. They put him on IR. He gave it the yeoman's effort coming back for the AFC championship game, but re-injured himself. So it's Juju Smith Schuster and uh, Tony from the giants who they picked up mid season and Marquez Valdez-Scanling. Scanling got the big touchdown against Cincinnati next week. Share the wealth. Patrick's going to throw it to whoever's open. Is there one guy that he has a little bit more confidence in than anybody else on the outside? We know Kelsey is option one, two, and three. But who is actually option number four in the mind of the quarterback? Yeah, you know, part of me wants to say Juju Smith-Schuster because this is a guy that started to – he got up to a slow start, but he really picked up the offense midway through the season uh, until his uh, uh, concussion injury that he suffered against the Jaguars in the middle of the season. This is a guy that was really getting the hot hand. But, you know, Marquez valdez Scantling is a very interesting option as well. You you mentioned he had a big game last week. He had the touchdown. Uh, he caught for – what was it? 100 and, 116 yards, uh, six catches – was targeted eight times. He and Kelsey uh, led the team in targets. Um, so you know he's probably going to target him a little bit more. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has not necessarily been a big impact player on the offense for the Chiefs this year. But when he does get involved at times, uh, he really does make the most of it. Uh, averaging almost 20 yards per catch. I mean, that's that's just hard to get away from. Uh, it would not surprise me if Marquez Valdez-Scantling had another big game. Tony did say on Super Bowl media night he's going to play – Juju there is often an official word, but he's been heavily involved in a lot of the promotions. And I think you could say this about any team, but generally speaking, I know with the Chiefs, they don't really like to promote a player if they're not sure about his availability. But we've seen a lot of Juju in the promotion, so that tells me he's probably going to play. But are those guys going to be 100%? I don't know. Um, you saw Michael Hardman come back, and he did not 
uh, looked very good, uh, got injured in that uh, Bengals game you mentioned. So we're not surprised me one bit if Marquez Valdez-Scanling ends up being the uh, the guy that gets targeted a lot again this week behind Kelsey. And, and along with MBS, uh, Barzine, uh, Justin Watson also has that big yards per catch, so he can get down the field. So maybe there's not a, a lot of traffic guys um, at wide receiver, but they make big plays. Now, I want to get to the traffic guy, and that's Travis Kelsey, who we're very familiar with here in Philadelphia because of Jason Kelsey and their popular podcast and yeah. uh, the Kelsey Bowl. So this is a question near and dear to my partner's heart. Y- you mentioned the receivers. They're okay, but they're not great. How the heck is Travis Kelsey always open? Everybody knows he's getting the football. How's he always open? You know, going back to the Tyreek Hill thing we talked about, there were some doubters out there that said, well, now that Tyreek Hill's gone, Travis Kelsey's going to be double, triple covered, and Mahomes is not going to have anyone to throw to. Well, it ends up – you know, something – I was talking to uh, Jason Dunn, I, I'm sure you guys are familiar with, former Chiefs and a former Eagles yeah. tight end. Um, he was um, – he, he didn't play in 99 because of the knee injury, but he was with Andy Reid that year. We talked about this last night about how, you know, even when Tyreek Hill was here – they both got a lot of yards. I think at one point, uh, Tyreek and Kelsey were numbers two and three in receiving yards at one point uh, last year or the year before. I can't remember exactly, but it's like, you know, I, I think what's so unique about Travis Kelsey is he's putting wide receiver numbers up. And I know there's this criticism out there. Oh, he's not a real tight end. He doesn't block. Uh, this guy uh, lines up in the in the slot so many times. Uh, but, you know, he does line up as a tight end as well. No, he doesn't block as much as uh, as a traditional tight end would. But this is a guy that just finds a way to do these moves that you don't see from any other tight end. I remember um, last year, it was near the end of the regular season or the postseason, he catches a pass. And as soon as he turns around, he doesn't even move. He just lets the defender slip right by, completely misses the tackle, which obviously is going to frustrate any defensive coach. And just just – keeps running uh i mean the things that this guy does at the tight end position and we're talking about a a a city that's seen tony gonzalez before true we have not seen this kind of talent at this position before it's really insane what this guy's done at that position um and people thought we would never see it again after the tony gonzalez trade to atlanta and here we are with with travis kelsey i mean it's so cool to see and uh fans are very fortunate to have this kind of a tight end um you know, maybe even better than Tony Gonzalez by the time it's all over with. Farzine, I want to jump over to the other side of the ball with you. How key was it for the Chiefs to get back Legereus Sneed, who went down early in the championship game against the Bengals? Concussion protocol, those things can go many different ways. He's already back at practice. Looks like he, he's cleared from the concussion protocol. Looks like he's a full go for the game on Sunday against Eagles. How big is his readdition to this Kansas City defense? It's huge. He is the most seasoned uh, veteran on this uh, in the uh, quarterback position uh, because behind him, a bunch of rookies. Uh, You have Trent McDuffie, uh, statistically not a guy that shines. You have Josh Williams, who came through big last week, uh, along with another uh, rookie, safety Brian Cook, who had the tipped uh, pass right there. And uh, Williams came away with the interception. So, And then you also have Jalen Watson, who's done a couple of good things as a rookie as well. And to have Jerry Sneed back, uh, just kind of, you know, you never want to throw three rookies into a Super Bowl at, at that cornerback position. Um, it's a pretty scary thought. 
even though you're already young enough at that position, you definitely want a guy that's had a little bit of experience. And I think luxurious needs, he, that's what he brings. Uh, that experience is always going to be key. We've heard so much this week and last week about how a lot of these young guys are leaning on some of the uh, the leaders on this football team. And the guys that get mentioned the most, Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. Um, but I think Legereus Need deserves some of that attention as well because uh, the Chiefs, I think, only had 12 players the last time they won a Super Bowl that are still on the team now. Uh, Legereus Need uh, was drafted in 2020. He does have that Super Bowl playing experience, but doesn't have a ring there, but again, has the most experience out of any cornerback on this team. So that's certainly important for sure. I want to talk about uh, uh, strength versus strength. You mentioned Chris Jones. I mean, that is the player. I, I put Patrick Mahomes aside, but that's the player I'd look and, and say, wow, that guy's yeah. good when I watch the Chiefs play. Um, the Eagles' offensive line is, you know, I, I've said the best I've seen. I'm old, Barzine, but the best I've seen since the 90s Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show uh, before his darkness retreat said, that's the best offensive line he's seen in 20 years. Um, the Eagles went through the Giants. Dexter Lawrence is a heck of a player. Didn't know he was on the field. Nick Bosa is probably going to be the defensive player of the year. Barely knew he was on the field. Can they stop Chris Jones? Or is Chris Jones just too good to say we're going to completely shut him down? Yeah. That's going to be the X factor for Kansas City on defense for sure. You got to have a big game from Chris Jones. And, uh, you know, for the longest time, this guy did not have a playoff sack until last week. And I think part of it, yeah, was because Cincinnati was banged up on the offensive line. But uh, the the Chiefs had this weird luck with Cincinnati um, uh, in their offensive line. Finally got to Joe Burrow so many times. But as far as this game, I mean, Philadelphia's got a a solid offensive line. You don't get to a championship this far without uh, a good offensive line at the very least. And I think that's something that is, is going to be very exciting to watch. Uh, you know, Chris Jones, who I think was fourth in the NFL in sacks this year, getting 15 and a half. Um, someone who really does have the ability to be a difference maker. I think if you watch the AFC championship game in the final two minutes there, the Bengals were driving, they were driving. And on that third and I think it was third and eight, Chris Jones got probably the biggest sack of his life to force a punt, And then Kansas City did their thing on offense, got the penalty and all that. Man, um, I'd, I'd like to think Chris Jones is going to be a problem. I mean, a lot of offensive linemen have tried to double-team him and, and still struggle at times. But if you double-team Chris Jones, you know, he's not the only guy. You got Frank Clark, who, inconsistent, but for whatever reason, this guy really does flip the switch in the playoffs. You have George Karloftis, the rookie, who the Chiefs got in the first round. I think that's the guy who they traded up, um, trading with New England to get him. I think uh, eight or nine spots up, uh, who has really come strong in the second half of the season. Kansas has got a really good defensive line right there. Chris Jones, yeah, he's the number one guy you got to keep an eye on. But Frank Clark and uh, and Carl Loftus are one B and one C essentially. I mean, you got three really good offense or uh, excuse me, defensive linemen there, and those are guys that are going to need to contain Jalen Watson if they want to n- not just a shot at winning, but try to provide some distance on the scoreboard. All right, uh, we know Andy Reid here in Philadelphia pretty well. He was here for a decade and a half. Uh, it's a different Andy Reid, very similar, but a somewhat different Andy Reid in Kansas City now. Super Bowl 57. Andy Reid got a card up his sleeve. 
Is there something you think he's been holding on to all year for the biggest of big games? And yeah, so a lot of teams can't say, oh, we'll save it for the last game and, and know that it could be the Super Bowl. Chiefs can since they've been to two out of the last three. You think Andy's got one up his sleeve that uh, the Eagles might not be ready for some kind of a different look, maybe even trick play for this game against his former squad? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know. Uh, maybe he uh, he tries to steal that Philly special because yeah. they, the they, snow they, globe. Maybe the snow globe. The snow globe. Yes. Um, uh, there's been a lot of talk about trying to get Patrick a, t- a touchdown catch. Uh, it's been talked about for quite some time. Uh, With a bad not- ankle. Uh, oh, I, I don't know, man. Uh, listen, Andy Reid's done a lot of crazy things. You mentioned the snow globe. I remember um, during a blowout win, which I was surprised he did during a blowout, we had our all-pro nose tackle, Dontari Poe, throw a touchdown pass to a backup tight end. Um, you know, he does some crazy things. I remember yeah. uh, he, he tried passes with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Unfortunately, not none of them worked. They, they ended up in interceptions. But he'll, he'll try some things at times. Um you know, I, I I would not be surprised at all if he tries to go for the Philly special. And I know you mentioned the ankle, John. Um, you know, I I think I think Patrick's going to be just fine with the ankle. I, I know there's a lot being made about it, but I think he had a great game. Was he himself 100%? No, of course not. But he still did a lot of things that some people weren't sure, weren't certain that he would uh, do uh, leading up to that game in the AFC Championship game. But if you're going to ask me, you know, what what kind of a trick play he would try to pull up, man, I I, I, I got a feeling he's going to try to go for that Philly special in Kansas City. Wow. Ooh. Oh, that would be – Patrick out of the backfield. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it, it, since you brought up Andy, want to continue down that road. Obviously, we're very familiar with Andy Reid here. But how was how he regarded in Kansas City? Um, because this is one of the best coaches of all time. I mean, he's the winningest coach in Eagles history. Yeah. Made five championship games here, but he didn't win the Super Bowl, so he gets some um, gets some hate here, to be honest, by a small portion of the fan base. I, I would say most realize what he meant to the organization. In Kansas City, it's been five straight championship games, but he's only got one Super Bowl. And I hate that term when people say, oh, you only got one. It's really difficult to win yeah. Super Bowls. Um, but I'm interested to, to, to hear how the people in Kansas city regard Andy Reed. Well, let's not forget before Andy Reed, the chiefs had a two and 14 season and so many things that bad, bad things happened. Nick Sirianni was there. Nick Sirianni was there. Yeah. 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 Nick Sirianni uh, was here for four seasons as an assistant. Um, and you know, when you go from that two and 14 team, Andy Reed comes in and goes nine and oh. And he's that's amazing, by the way, it is. And I know so many people bring up the schedule and the Chiefs going up against backup quarterbacks that, that year. But, man, the Chiefs got their butts kicked by a lot of those teams last year, to, the, the year before, I should say. Yeah. So, you know, Andy Reid really set the tone with that turnaround. And the Chiefs have not been below 500 since then. They missed the playoffs once. They were a 9-7 team his second year here. Um, and I'll never forget the 1-5 and five start uh in 2015 not only did they start one and five but they finished a season winning their first playoff game in 22 years Andy Reid's brought a lot of success here that we've never seen before because when he came from Philadelphia to Kansas City the first thing people talked about is his postseason success no you mentioned this he never won a Super Bowl there but the amount of success he had in the playoffs is something we had not seen in Kansas City in, a, in, in two decades um, no playoff win for a long time um, 
you know, the things that he's been able to do with Alex Smith. And I'll even say Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles was already an all-pro running back before Andy Reid. Andy Reid made him even better. Um, the things that Andy Reid is able to do with players and to help them maximize their potential is just incredible. Uh, things that we have never seen before uh, in, in Kansas City in terms of guys uh, having them play even above their potential, I would say. Um, you know, you mentioned the uh, the amount of championship appearances. Um, he's been to nine, now ten conference championships. Um, when you've been to that many, you would think there would be multiple Super Bowl wins. And, and listen, let me say this, because even with a recent Super Bowl win, there's been a lot of criticism about Andy Reid, his play calling, and some of the things he's done. He, Even though, you know, ten championship appearances – only two wins, it's still multiple championships. Not a lot of coaches can say they've done that. Andy Reid can erase a lot of the criticism he still gets to this day uh, with a second Super Bowl ring. Um, and I really hope he gets that. Um, listen, you guys know what he went through uh, personally in his last year yeah. in Philadelphia. I, I alluded to that a little bit earlier on the podcast. Um, this is a guy that's dedicated so much of his time to football. And the way that people speak – I think I've only heard one player, and this is a guy who only played – for Andy Reid for half a year, and that was Le'Veon Bell um, a couple of years ago. Other than him, I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak badly about the guy for as long as he's been in the NFL, which makes sense because if you're around that long, you're obviously doing something right. Um, I know there are some retirement rumors out there, but um, yeah, it would, be, it would be really special for him to get that second ring for sure. All right, here's a guy who I know we haven't mentioned all week and it doesn't have a major impact on Sunday's game, but you're there in Kansas City and I just want to see if you've got a read on it. Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, has been a NFL coaching potential hire candidate in previous years. Not nearly as much this year. People have wondered, why the hell hasn't this guy been able to get a head coaching job? Look at what Kansas City does offensively every single year. And yet he still hasn't gotten a job and was probably even less of a candidate this year than he was ever before. Is it just because Andy calls the plays? Is it because they think Farzeen Fasugian could be the coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs if he had Patrick Mahomes as quarterback? Uh, is there something that we don't know about Eric Bieniemy? Why is this guy just stuck in neutral and not able to get a head coaching job in the NFL? Yeah, um, this is a question that gets asked a lot, especially in, in local talk radio, whenever national guys like Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport come on, I, I mean, they try to get an answer out of those guys and no one's been able to really provide an answer. Does he do bad in interviews? Um, does it have anything to do with race? I, I personally don't think it has anything to do with race. We've seen black head coaches get hired um, in the past couple of years, but uh, you know, when Andy reads your head coach and this is his offense at the end of the day, and when you have Mahomes and Kelsey, do people maybe fear that? Because look at the Belichick tree. Belichick, we all know, is the most successful coach ever. But mm. his assistants, wherever they go, think. I, I mean, great, who's yeah. who's the most successful Belichick assistant? Yeah. I might I might be willing to say Bill O'Brien, and that's not even a great answer there. No. Um, I mean, Bill O'Brien had a little bit of success in um, in Houston, but again, he got canned at the end of the day. He's back in New England now. Um, I think. You know, people have wondered because there have been some uh, teams reaching out for offensive coordinator um, interest in the enemy, but uh, he's turned those down, according to him, this week. I will say this, because you mentioned he's not getting interest this week, and I think part of it is because there are not a lot of head coaching openings, but Indianapolis has not made a decision yet. I mean, they could easily go with Jeff Saturday right now if they wanted to. 
Yeah. So my only question is, what are they waiting for? I mean, there are only two teams left playing. And out, out of these two teams, the only coordinator that might really have a shot might yeah. be Derek Bieniemy. Shane Snyken of the Eagles is interviewed twice for the indie job. Oh, has yeah. he? Okay. Yeah. All right. I didn't realize that. My bad. Yeah. Um, now, but, but, you, know I mean, what, you know what, uh, Farsine? Also, yeah. Arizona, um, I think Mike Kapka might get that job. I really do. And even though he left and uh, he's he was with the Giants as the offensive coordinator, he's an Andy guy. I mean, make no mistake yeah. about it. Mike Kapka's an Andy guy. Well, and I think he might get that job. You know, it's interesting because, yeah, Kafka did have to leave Kansas City to, to get an offensive coordinator position because Eric Bieniemy uh, keeps getting passed up on. I've asked this before. Does he need to leave Andy Reid, Mahomes, and Kelsey so he can prove, yeah, I can succeed with a Daniel Jones type of guy? I don't know. Um, it, it, you know, I don't think anyone should be penalized or, or, or be at fault because they have all that success around them. But, mm. uh, you know, and I, and I mentioned the Belichick tree. I think sometimes teams worry that you might just be successful because of that talent there. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it is crazy. You know, it's interesting. This is a little interesting wormhole to me because we had Doug Peterson here, who's obviously an Andy guy. Yeah. And when Doug left, one of the criticisms was – he wanted to have his own guys on the coaching staff and the Eagles were like, well, he hasn't been around the league long enough to, to know people and bring in uh, competent assistant coaches. There was this, to me, it was the dumbest narrative. I'm like, what do you want the guy to leave Andy Reed where you have this tremendous, to be around a bunch of crappy organizations that get fired all the time. It yeah. never made any sense to me, but they do blame coaches who stay at one spot under a great head coach, it never made any sense to me. Maybe that is what's going on with Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, look at Charlie Weiss. I, I'm a huge fan of the guy as an offensive assistant, but, you know, just didn't work out at Notre Dame. And I remember and I went to the University of Kansas when he became the head coach there. I got to cover the football team there. Um, I thought he was going to thrive uh, because the Big 12 is not a good defensive league, but unfortunately Charlie Weiss just did not pan out there, even though – and they tried to use the whole New England success. I mean, they, yeah. they promoted that really hard for KU football that year. But, um, yeah, it, it's hard, man. I hope he gets a head coaching job. Uh, the enemy, that is. Um, I think he deserves a shot at the really at the very least. But who knows? Um, could happen a fifth year in a row now. All right, Farzine, last one from me. And you can go either way with this. You can be honest or you can go, hey, I'm a Kansas Chief guy. What way, what way do you think I'm going to go? The key reason that the Kansas City Chiefs will win the game is what? Key reason the Kansas City Chiefs will lose the game is what? Feel free to pick or choose which blank you want to fill in. I think the Kansas City Chiefs will win this game if they win the battle at the, at the line of scrimmage. I think that is important right there. Both with pass protection. I mentioned Super Bowl 55, what happened. There was really no pass protection in that game. Mahomes ran for his life. Um, and I think on the defensive side, yeah, you gotta you, you gotta put pressure on any quarterback if you want to win a championship uh, for sure, especially with a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts. Um, and the Eagles do have these great design runs, something Kansas City does not have. Um, so I think that's going to be very important in this one. Um, if you're gonna ask me for a score, I'm gonna go 41-31 Kansas City. Wow. My Super Bowl MVP. Huh? <laughs> my Super Bowl MVP. 
I think history is going to be made here. It would not surprise me. We mentioned the ankle, but I think uh, we're going to see a rookie take this one. I'm going to go with Isaiah Pacheco. I think wow. we can see, uh, wow. see history Isaiah, this time. So. I'm going to say this. Uh, uh, first of all, I, I agree with you, Farzine. If Kansas City wins the game, it's going to be a shootout. But if they score 41 points, here's where I'm going to disagree with you. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the MVP. Lock it. Lock how it. Many, Pacheco getting how many touchdowns? Yeah. Three. If you give him the MVP, Farzine, you got to be giving him at least three touchdowns, right? I, I think the Chiefs are going to get close to the end zone. And I know there's a lot made about Patrick and his the number of touchdowns and a lot of them being short yardage touchdowns. But I think the Chiefs are going to try to uh, keep it on the ground this time. So, yeah, that's where I'm going. Ooh, very interesting. Farzine, you did a great job for us. We thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Good luck to the Chiefs. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Good luck to you guys as well. Thanks for having me on. Our thank you, Farzine. Farzine Vasugi and did a nice job uh, breaking it down for us right there until the end. 41 points. 40. The Chiefs are going to score 41. The Chiefs are going to win the war in the trenches. No, that's why I think the Eagles what are going to win. What did he say the score was, by the way? What, what 41 31. Oh, I, you know, I, I thought for a moment he said 41 33. Uh, yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, he didn't, didn't, didn't go there, but 41 31 is a whole lot of points. I like the over two in a game, Look, it's either 50 and a half or 51, depending on where you're. Wait, as, as I said, I agree with Farzine. If Kansas City's going to win this game, they're going to score a lot of points, so I don't have any problem. They can score 41 on anyone, however, what he also said should give. Eagles fans a lot of confidence. He thinks the Chiefs have to win the line of scrimmage to win the game. They're not going to win the line of scrimmage. No. So you can feel very, very comfortable. You know, the Eagles have the great offensive line, the great defensive line. That's what the Eagles are. They're going to win the line of scrimmage. It was a nice, positive, optimistic Kansas City narrative that he put out there. And if you, you, you want to go there, you got to have a, a way to tell your tale. We just don't think that that's exactly the way it looks on paper right now. But they got to play the game on Sunday. We'll continue to talk about it. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll come back to talk more about Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl 57 right here on Birds 365. With Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. 
Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Scotty Mac, 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 guys, here on Birds 365. Uh, coming up next hour, Mike Tanier from FootballOutsiders.com. Uh, been a good mm, semi-regular uh, contributor here with us on Birds 365. Always has some good stats and figures and numbers to tie into games. Looking forward to talking to Mike coming up in uh, less than uh, 20 minutes from now. Uh, Johnny Mac, we just had uh, Farzeen Vasugi on with us, and he gave us a Kansas City not only – insight and perspective but also a little bit of a rooting interest prediction there at the end at 41 31 that'd be a 72 points that'd be a hell of well, an exciting big, big, super bowl would, wouldn't number. go up wouldn't go over well here in philadelphia because the eagles are on the short end but it'd be just from a neutral observer's perspective that'd be a hell of a super bowl, a whole lot of points scored uh he he went to the war of the trenches which you don't think the chiefs can win i don't think the chiefs can win I'll give you more potential. I don't even want to say realistic because I don't really believe it's going to play out this way, but a more potential narrative for the Kansas City Chiefs winning. Two words, plus, minus. If the Chiefs come out on the heavy end of the plus, minus, then I got a chance to win the game. The Eagles' worst game of the year, their ugliest loss for damn sure against the Commanders back uh, earlier this season was a game that they coughed the football up four times. So plus minus swings in any game, and it certainly goes to the team that's going to be on the plus side of it. 
you don't think the Eagles are looking at a sloppy game here, do you? You know, you don't think this is a game where they can give it up a couple times and put Kansas City in an enviable field position, do you? Well, I think they can, you know, anybody. The tip ball you mentioned uh, before when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes and how good he is, you know, uh, with the arm angles and things like that. You know, I, I don't have a problem with one or even two turnovers, especially if you can mitigate it with one of your own, you know, so support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Say you're minus one. I think you're fine in that type of situation. I think we saw. I mean, we only saw Jalen Hurts start a game and lose a game once this year, and it was the four turnover game against Washington. Um, now one of them was at the end of the game and kind of meaningless when you're in desperation mode. But nonetheless, it was very uncharacteristic. He's done a tremendous, tremendous job taking care of the football. As a whole, only six interceptions on the year. I don't. I don't think we're going to see a three-four interception game from Jalen Hurts. I mean that he takes care of the football, so I'm not overly concerned about it. Now turnovers can come other ways as well. Fumbles, you know. That's that's a very small path to victory. Uh, so I'd feel very comfortable comfortable saying the Eagles are going to play a relatively clean game. You can turn it over once or twice. You just can't get crazy about it. And I've seen no evidence that's going to happen when Jalen is, is handling the football every play. All right. And uh, I'm going to give you a perspective that will come up well short of that. I had Bob Vitron Jr. on my uh, WIP show last night, Mr. Boop Stats, and he laid one on me that I did not know, had not heard um, prior to Super Bowl 57. Um, the 112 teams that have played in the previous 56 Super Bowls, even I could do that math, 56 times two is 112. <laughs> there have been 112 teams in individual years playing in the Super Bowls. Do you know how many of them 
have gone through the Super Bowl, finished their postseason run, and had zero turnovers? Um, so zero turnovers during the postseason? During the postseason. Um, I'm going to say it's a low number. I'm going to say it's uh, 112. I'm going to say, uh, let's go 10. As low as you can go. Wow. No, no team. Wow. Has now that's ever gone through the playoffs, made it to the Super Bowl, and not had a turnover. It has never happened in the 56 years of the Super Bowl. How many turnovers did the Eagles have so far in the postseason, Johnny Mack? Um, zero, I believe. Uh, yeah. Jalen hasn't thrown an interception. Yeah. No fumble loss. No, zero. Wow. So they come into the game with a clean turnover record. Now you've said it here a couple times that yesterday would have, they could, they, they could survive a turnover or two, as long as they get one or two of their own. And it's a balanced thing. You're right. Uh, what you're saying is, is spot on accurate, but there's a little history to be made here. And the Eagles have done a great job. Now they've had a lead in both games. They haven't had to put, quote unquote, the football at risk because they were trying to rally or come from behind. We don't know that'll happen this game either, but I also don't think they're going to get out to as big a lead as they had against either the uh, 49ers or the Giants. But the Eagles have not had a turnover yet this postseason. So if the Bengals, uh, excuse me, the Chiefs are banking on that, well, we'll get Kansas City turn the ball over. Uh, uh, we'll get uh, the Eagles turn the ball over. Eagles haven't turned the ball over in the postseason, and they might not do it on no. Sunday either. And, you know, as I said, Jalen is just taking care of the football. So that that part of it, you know, is not going to be crazy from that standpoint. So it does surprise me that no team in, in that entire history has done that because um, it's not a ton of games. You know, there's especially when you're the number one seed um, and there's been some dominant teams over the years. You think somebody would have played a, a clean postseason. That's pretty amazing. That That's is. pretty amazing if they could finish that. That's another feather in the cap if they could finish that off. That That's a pretty good historic mark, which they have at least the possibility of getting. All right, Johnny. We got an hour, over 55 minutes left to go. I don't know that I've really ticked Eagle fans off yet today, so I, I'm going <laughs> to risk doing that here. Um, and again, I, I respond to the calls I get on WIP, the guys who stream in with us here on the Birds 365 and my Twitter feed. And it seems to me like there are some Eagle fans that are almost lost this week. They don't know how to handle themselves because the Eagles are the favorite. The Eagles are supposed to win this game. They so badly want to be the underdog. They they live to be the underdog here in Philadelphia. I think that was one of the things that made this Phillies run this past year so much fun because they were the last team in the National League to qualify for the playoffs. They were the sixth seed out of the six NL teams that made it. So not only were they winning, but they were winning games they weren't supposed to win so you could throw your chest out as an underdog. That's not the case here. Uh, I gave it to you yesterday that uh, the, the Madden simulation not only went the Eagles' way, went the Eagles' way 31-17, to 17, winning by two touchdowns. 
Now, the Madden simulation hasn't had a great track record. It's been wrong the last two Super Bowls, as a matter of fact. And, oh, by the way, took the Patriots five years ago to beat the uh, Eagles. So I don't know that you want to put too much uh, faith in the Madden simulation. But you know who else is picking the Eagles this week? Siri. (laughs) Google Assistant. Oh, Um, now you're going to piss people off. Yeah, Yeah. sorry about that. If you go just uh, talking to your computer in your house, you're going to get the answer you want if you believe that your computer knows what it's talking about. But if you don't, if you want to be that underdog person, you go, we are bigger and better and better than the rest of the world. We're Philadelphia. No one likes us. Yeah, everybody likes you. The Eagles are, you can't play the disrespect card. You got to reach him to play the disrespect card. The Eagles are the favorite. They're the favorite in Vegas. And they're the favorite of a lot of people who are already getting on the record and predicting this game. They're supposed to win this game, Johnny Mac, much to the chagrin of oh, yeah. Eagle Nation. Yeah, it, it, it's amusing to me. I wrote about this uh, uh, on Monday. At Billy Boyce, it's uh, um, you know, I I don't understand. Embrace it. You got the best team. Embrace it. Uh, but you're right. It's and by the way, it's not. You know, no one likes us. We don't care. It's you know that translated in in Philadelphia. And that's no one likes us, and we obsessively care. Um, that's what that really means. But um, with this particular team. Yeah, I mean, they compartmentalize it down to Julian Love saying, oh, uh, the coach, anybody could coach this team, you know, not understanding the backhanded compliment of they're so good, right? anybody could coach this team from a talent perspective, which isn't true, uh, by the way. Nick Sirianni has done a tremendous job, um, and, you know, I heard the same thing. I brought it up before. I used to hear the same thing when I covered the NBA with Bill Jackson. Yeah. I mean, was Larry Brown a better X's and O's coach than Bill Jackson? Hell yeah. Larry Brown's the smartest basketball mind I've ever come across. But, you know, guess what? He couldn't manage personalities like Bill Jackson. There, There's, you know, there's different ways to look at coaches and things like that. But the personnel of this team, Jody, and, and we talked, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, I'll say it again, Aaron Rodgers said this is the best offensive line he's seen in 20 years. Uh, you know, I don't have that kind of cachet, but I went back longer than that, about 40 years. This is the best offensive line I've seen. The defensive line, the sack numbers, uh, the, the secondary, the, the savviness I always talk about with Slay and Bar- Bradbury and Maddox. The receivers, back in the preseason, I I said this was the most talented tandem the Eagles have ever had. Now, whether it ends up being the best, ends up being better than Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin, that has to do with longevity. But I think people now understand, oh, yeah, this is the most talented tandem they've ever had at, at, at the wide receiver position. The tight end is phenomenal. Up and down the field. All-star team. Miles Sanders said it. It turned out to be true. They are the better football team. I talked about my riser theory. Look at the difference. Look at the difference. They are the more talented team. I said to Nick Sirianni, 
Jason Kelsey started his clothing line. One day, you know, Nick, he wears, you know, he tries to support people. He wore the underdog shirt. I said, why are you wearing that? You're never the underdog. You're literally never the underdog. And he joked, always, always the underdog. They're not. They were they were literally favored in every game this season Correct. except for one, Christmas Eve in Dallas. The third of three consecutive road games, and they didn't have the starting quarterback. And we all know Dallas gets that bump a little bit, which, you know, America's team, that's part of the reason Philadelphia has this complex. Um, they do get a little bit of a bump. But the Eagles are – They've been favorites all year, all the way through to the Super Bowl, where they are again favorites. They are not the underdog. I'm sorry, Jody. You're correct. And uh, I think the the way that uh, they should be looked at is in games that Jalen Hurts was starting quarterback this year. They're favorite every single time. That every Dallas game time. was the only time they weren't. And you're right. That was a Gardner Minshew game. That wasn't a Jalen Hurts game. Nope. Jalen Hurts is. Favorite every single time he's taken the field. It will be the favorite this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. So if the Eagles, behind closed doors, can somehow manufacture in their own minds that they are in some way, shape, or form, really love to know how you do that, uh, the underdog in this game, more power to them. If they think it works and Sirianni told you we're always the underdog, and he can – somehow make them believe that more power to them i go for it coach but we'll step back into the real world here and go you haven't been an underdog once all year and you're not an underdog in this game you're a front runner and yeah. usually front runner has a very negative connotation uh, no i want it to be a positive here you have the better roster both teams were 14 and 3 they saw the exact same amount of point i get all of that but you've been the dominant team in the postseason you run through your first two opponents. Kansas City had a fight and claw to get to the Super Bowl. You did not. Rightfully the favorite. Wear it with pride. Tell yeah. tell the world, yeah, we're 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 in a good place right now. We think that we're exactly where we need to be. We don't have to overachieve. We don't have to rise above. If we play our game, we think we're going to win. And that's what I'd like to hear from some of the Eagles yeah. this week. And I think you asked me last week on the show, Nick Nick looked really calm, really uh, self-assured um, last week yeah. uh, going into the Super Bowl. And he asked me why. And I said, well, he knows he's got the better team. Mm. <laughs> he knows it better than anybody. But you're right about use what you you can use. If it works for you, use it you know, as an individual, Nick Sirianni has been, I joked about, he's asked the same question. I was the one who asked it first about the meeting with Andy Reid. Uh, Barzine just talked about it. Andy Reid came in a situation where the chiefs were two and 14, two and 14. And Oh, by the way, he already had David Cully, who was not only his receivers coach, his longtime receivers coach, but, he was also his assistant head coach. Um, obviously, he wasn't going to keep Nick Sirianni, who had been coaching for four years, uh, two of them as a quality control coach, and was on a 2 and 14 staff. Obviously, he was going to bring in David Culley. Nick knew it. Everybody knew it. Um, and people made a big deal. Oh, Andy Reid fired you. 
who who keeps somebody from a two and fourteen staff over their longtime consigliere? Nobody. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. But Nick said, you know, when he went back, he got a job in San Diego. And when he bet, went back to Kansas City the next year, and remember, Andy turned that team around right away. Yep. They were 9-0 and at one point, turned them around right away. San Diego upset the Chiefs, and he got jacked up about it, you know, because he wanted to prove. But that's Nick, man. Nick is competitive. But he knew. He knew. He wasn't upset at Andy Reid. But you use what you use. I have no problem with that. But this underdog nonsense, it's time to stop it, Philadelphia. You got the best team. Embrace it. They, stop it. Stop they do it. Going stop into it. this game this week. All right. Uh, we're hoping to hear from Mike Tanner coming up in uh, five minutes from now. I do want to run one thing back uh, by you uh, before you get Mike, because you're a pretty good football historian. Um, and I agree wholeheartedly with you. How many years we have to go back? At least 30. Uh, to find an offensive line as good as this one, that cowboy offensive line in the early 90s was the best I had ever seen then, and I would still say since. Although this Eagle line, if they can get Jason Kelsey to come back and stick around and do one more year and have the same dominance again next year, they could pull even and or maybe even surpass the Cowboys. But I want to tap into your uh, historic knowledge here for a second. What NFL quarterback, 56 Super Bowls played? What NFL quarterback, one of those 112 teams that played, one guy rushed for more yards at the quarterback position in the Super Bowl than any other? You want to take a guess? <clears throat> wow. I'd have to think about that one. Um, uh, no, give it to me. I don't want to embarrass yeah, you don't myself. You want to go. Uh, just. Uh, there's a there's a method to my madness um that would be steve mcnair in the 1999 super bowl that the titans came up yeah one uh, one yard yard short short and and it wasn't a mcnair run it was a mcnair pass where jones got tackled at the uh, one yard line and just came up short he holds the super bowl record for rushing in the super bowl at 64 yards um, at number three, it's a, shocking to me at number three, um, the 490 quarterback, God, I'm zotting out on his name now, um, Colin Kaepernick? Who, who got blackballed is number two. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick is number two at 62. Another, that would, have been, that would have been my guess. Would have been I your said. guess. You would yeah. have gotten number two then. Very yeah. good. Uh, at number three is another 49er quarterback. Steve Young. No. Wow, Joe Montana? Joe Montana! Wow. 59 yards on five carries yeah. against Miami, against Dan Marino. He has got the third most shot. You could have I could have you could have gotten to 112 teams and might be not coming around to Joe Montana. I think that's another record that can be set. Oh yeah. I uh, think you know I think I, I talk about it all the time. When we went back to yards. Yeah, all those old tropes are dying when it comes to the NFL. You hear it all the time. I still hear it. Oh, running quarterback can't win the Super Bowl. First of all, you know, the goalposts are going to change, right? If Jalen Hurts wins the Super Bowl, people are going to say, well, he improved so much as a passer. So it depends on your definition to begin with. But, yeah, whether it's Jalen Hurts or somebody else down the road, Colin Kaepernick, if he won, um, running quarterback, I mean, dual threat, mobile, whatever you want to call it, the entire league is – headed in this direction so 
you better keep enjoying that for the people that want to go down that road because that's going to get blown up very quick. And I, I personally think that, and I think the number is like 50 and a half yards. You want a Super Bowl prop that you should be thinking about? I think that he's going to be a major part of the offense, Jalen Hurts with his legs on Sunday. So rushing yards for the Eagles quarterback may be able to become the Super Bowl all-time leader. Maybe we'll have the all-time Super Bowl leader and the first team to never turn it over through a postseason run. A couple of things to keep your eye on Sunday. Yeah, first thing first, Eagles more points on the scoreboard than the Chiefs, but there are a bunch of other things that are up for grabs, too, including being the gold standard of the National Football League. I'm going to beat that one to death until the game on Sunday, I can guarantee you. All right, coming up next, we're going to have our bud, Mike Tanier from Football Outsiders, giving a national perspective of this. And I, I haven't talked, I, I exchanged texts just to book him to come on the show, but I haven't asked him anything about the game. Are you going to get ticked off at him too when he picks the Eagles to win? Because it's you got to be an underdog going into the big game. God forbid people think the Eagles are going to win. Uh, yeah. We got some snotty responses on uh, Farajin picking the Chiefs. There you go. You got your underdog uh, spot already yeah. today. We had a Kansas City guy on to pick the other side. We get uh, Mike Tanyer's insight for the upcoming big game. He joins us next here on Birds 365. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. 
Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Streaming in here on Birds 365. You got back on that. We've got our bud, Mike Tanier from footballoutsiders.com to join us. And I'll tell you why we have Mike on. Because I like the underdog role, much like Philly fans. And he's the only guy we have on that's got a better beard than me. But I like being the underdog. Uh, and that's why we break. Yeah, and he knows a little something about football, too. Mr. Tanier, are you in Arizona already? I am in Arizona already, and I'd like to apologize for two things. First, I got the time difference wrong. Second, I scheduled this right after the media party last night. So I hope to be on Radio Row speaking to you, but that's about six blocks that way, and I woke up about nine minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) The lobby of the courtyard by Marriott here in downtown Phoenix, where it's uh, 9.30 in the morning, and it should be 7.30 in the morning, and I overslept a little bit. Ah, that's that's beautiful. We love a good car, courtyard. Everybody loves a good courtyard, Mike. So no no issues there. I hope you're enjoying the weather. Uh, hopefully, I'll see. You. I'll be out there later in the week coming out for the game. But uh, um, I guess we'll start. I saw you did a piece at at Football Outsiders on on the so called tush push of the Eagles. So I want to talk about this offensive line as a whole. Mm-hmm. And are there any numbers that, that talk about just how dominant this offensive line has been? Because I got to tell you, Mike, it, it, Aaron Rodgers was talking yesterday in between his uh, nutty ramblings and saying this, this is the best offensive line he's, been, he's seen in 20 years. Um, I go back to the Cowboys of the early 90s. I mean, this, this offensive line is unbelievable. I think it's in that category. You mentioned the Cowboys of the 90s. I think it's better, certainly equal to the Cowboys a few years ago when Zach Martin and Ty- Tyron Smith yeah. and the center were all healthy. Um, here's a stat for you. Aaron Schatz, the boss, uh, has been throwing it around a lot this week. I believe if you go from week nine on through the playoffs and you take out the Minshew games, the Eagles' running game is the second-best running game Football Outsiders has on record, going back to 1981. Wow. So this is a yeah. So this is a running game that, like, once it got itself together, and when Jalen Hurts is a part of it, is up there on a par, for example, or those Cowboys teams, or the Lamar Jackson running team from a couple years ago, which was wild yeah. for Baltimore Ravens. So, so that's an indication of of the success this offensive line is having, um, that that they're generating numbers like that. All right. So I just said this with John. See if you uh, go with me on this. 
the last couple of games when Jalen's played, the Eagles have called some plays tentatively. They didn't want to put him at risk, didn't want to get him hurt, got another game to play, uh, got to make the play. All right, beat the Giants, got to win and get to the NFC Championship, easy. Got to beat San Francisco, then we got to get to the real game, the Super Bowl. So I think the play calling has not used Jalen and his rushing abilities to its greatest effect. Right. There's no more games to follow this one. Next is OTAs, and I don't think right. they're sweating that at all. You think they take the wraps off, and this is a big Jalen running game for the Eagles quarterback? I think they took the wraps off midway through the second quarter against the 49ers, frankly. Because while his rushing numbers total in that game weren't extreme, if you look at the late second quarter, early third when they're trying to ice that game, Jalen calls his own number a few times in that. Uh, and it, it had the desired effect. So I think absolutely it will be part of the game plan uh, to get let Jalen do what Jalen wants to do. And, and a lot of that is it's his own read. And if he sees what he likes, he has the green light to go. And I think he will see what he likes. One of the, the best matchup for the Eagles in this game, we just talked about the offensive line. Chiefs run defense is not particularly strong. The Chiefs run defense is Patrick Mahomes is going to score 40 points on you. So you <laughs> their run defense. Uh, and they don't have a lot of great exterior players. So if the, if the play is called that it's an outside zone run for Miles Sanders, and the, the option is to keep it and go the opposite direction, Jalen might be like, I could do both. I could do either. Now, now usually the fault on that is you give it to Sanders, let him do the job. But if they're you know, loaded up to one side, we saw the 49ers loaded up to one side a lot, uh, and the Eagles were manipulating that. If the Chiefs do that kind of thing, Jalen's going to take off. Uh, you mentioned the Chiefs a little bit there, Mike, and Patrick Mahomes and his ability to score 40 points. That's kind of how I'd look at this game. Kansas City could win this game because they have the best player in the game. But yeah. And if he gets hot, if the home run hitter gets hot, look out. You know, All of a sudden, you got a couple three-run bombs, and you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, can they win this game in any other fashion than a, than, than a shootout? In other words, they have to score points. Can they win it in under any other fashion? I don't see them winning a, a lower scoring. It's not going to be a low scoring game. Yeah. I don't see them winning a lower scoring close game. Their defense is not built for that. I think one thing they could do is try to attain a little bit more balance and take it away from Mahomes a little bit. Another thing the Chiefs don't do particularly well is you know run the football consistently. It is still very much an Andy Reid type of team where it's like, why, why run? I'll run in the fourth quarter up by three touchdowns. That's when I'll run. Um, I think they're going to want to try and do that and leverage the, the fact that they have a very good offensive line as well. But I think of yes. it as an offensive line built for run blocking. Again, they pass protect pretty well, but Mahomes also takes care of himself moving around the, in there. If they can get like some push on the offensive line, do some of the things that midseason teams were doing, especially before Sue came, came in here, what the commanders were able to do, what the Texans briefly did early in that game. And then and, and it's like second and five, third and one, first down. Chiefs hate playing that. Andy doesn't like playing that. If they do a little bit of that, then they could do something where they slow the game down and still have success. I, I just don't see that happening. It just, it just seems out of character for them. And I got an Andy Reid question for you. If Andy Reid does what Andy Reid does, and he's got uh, 25 years of coaching for us to look back at and go, well, here's what Andy usually does. Uh Coming into this game, you're facing Hassan Reddick, who right there with Bosa, who the Eagles showed, they could shut down basically mano a mano because their offensive line is good as it is. Kansas City's offensive line is good, not as good as the Eagles. 
do you think Andy Reid leaves his right tackle on an island against Hassan Reddick, or does he go against what Andy Reid usually does and give that guy a little help? And if he does, does that give a guy like Josh Sweat a chance to be the best player on the field if he's going mano a mano, one-on-one on the other side of the line? I think what Andy wants to do to get the right tackle, Wiley, I mean, he'll put Noah Gray, he'll put his tight ends to chip a little bit. He obviously does not want Kelsey out there chipping. He wants Kelsey playing wide receiver. Reed's favorite tactic on this is, you know, middle screen, double screen, look one way, go to the other way. We saw that in Philly years and years ago yeah. as well. You know, get McKinnon, McKinnon, Pacheco behind Reddick, get the ball to them when they bring the pass rush in. And I think he might have some success on that tactic. The problem with that tactic is you can use it once, use it twice, use it three times. You can't run 25 screen passes in a game. So, you know, I think that he's going to expect Mahomes to protect himself a little bit. He's going to expect Mahomes to step up. He will call a lot of shorter passes to create opportunities there. But I don't see I, I don't see Andy Reid turtling up to protect the Mahomes because, you know what, the Super Bowl a couple of years ago against the Buccaneers, he didn't yeah. do that. No. That was a disaster. That was a disaster. But Andy he didn't have his tackles does. and he didn't do it. Yeah. Right, uh, right, exactly. And this is a better offensive line than that. So if he yeah. didn't do it then when he probably should have, I don't know if he, if he feels like it's in his nature to do it now. That's a good point, Mike, because, yeah, if you're, you're not going to do it with backup tackles. You're not going to do it when with your you starting tackles. Um, right. Now, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. A lot of people think the Lombardi trophy is the biggest thing at stake in this game, but it's bragging rights on the New Heights podcast. That is the biggest part of this game. But in all seriousness, how do you stop Travis Kelsey? I mean, uh, they don't have Tyreek Hill. Uh, In theory, you can double bracket him, do whatever you want, but nobody can stop this guy. What what do the Eagles do to stop Travis Kelsey? Or at least slow him down. You know, it almost takes a specific type of defender to stop Travis Kelsey, and the Eagles don't necessarily have it. It's almost like a Richard Sherman type. It, it, a, it would be a honey badger type of guy, and, of course, the Chiefs had honey badgers. <laughs> like, 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 they protected themselves from the type of guy who can do that. And I don't think that player is on the Eagles roster. I don't think they covet that player. I don't think trying to move a sleigh inside, I think that could actually, like, backfire on yeah. you. So one thing you could do is, is say, okay, make someone else beat us. Okay, Kelsey's going to eat. He'll get eight for 100. What else you got? What's Marquez Valdez Scantling going to do? What's Juju going to do? The Eagles have the capability to slow to slow those things down, and to uh, you know slow down the running game, neutralize, stop the running game. Andy Reid could stop his own running game if he's feeling like it. And then you have the situation. It's like okay, uh, Kelsey went ham and they scored seventeen. Kelsey went ham and they scored twenty because of it. That's an Eagles victory. <laughs> so that might be the, the approach: just harm reduction. Don't let him just have an epic. MVP type of game, and then you can still come out ahead. I uh, do want to get your feeling on a matchup. And John and I noted earlier, well, we always do this, it doesn't really add up, but oh, you compare the two quarterbacks going against each other. Except they never do. When one's on the field, the yeah. other one's off. Uh, right. the KC running backs against the Eagles running back. They never play at the same time. <laughs> I'm going to give you one that's actually on the field at the same time. Eagles offense in the red zone. They were number three in the league percentage scoring touchdowns. The Kansas City Chiefs were 31st out of 32 teams in preventing touchdowns in the red zone. Will this game be decided by what the Eagles do when they've got the ball in the red zone this week? It can be, and also it can be short yardage. And short yardage in red zone, you know, fourth and one, third and inches. 
those things often go hand in hand because the strategies are similar. And the numbers you cited are very similar to the football outsiders numbers. There's, there's no surprises in the data there. The Chiefs are not particularly good in the red zone. Again, I think one of their logics is, oh, oh you got this far. Score, let's get Mahomes the ball. <laughs> let's just get out of here and, and keep going. And, you know, so much of it is the Eagles are one of the best short yardage teams in history because of the push need, because of the fourth down aggressiveness. We've got numbers on the aggressiveness of the Eagles. It's almost historic here. That's a chance to go seven for three against Patrick Holmes. So, you know, Eagles get seven. Chiefs get three because they get limited when they get down to the red zone. They don't necessarily, you know, when in short yard situations, they want to do like a double reverse or like a, a, a community theater. Here comes the tight end to run the sneak, that, that kind of thing. That's a potentially advantage for the Eagles. That's what's so interesting about this. I, I, know, I know Eagles fans want to be the underdog. I know this mentality. Yeah, that, we talked about that. We just talked about that, Mike. It's yeah, ridiculous. It, it's this rocky mentality, and I get it. And the Chiefs are an outstanding team, and it's very close. There's all these little matchups in the data and in the like guy versus guy matchups. So many of them favor the Eagles. This one favors the Eagles. The matchup that favors the Chiefs is Mahomes and Mahomes, is it Mahomes and Mahomes. But all these things like short yardage, goal line, you're going to find advantage after advantage for the Eagles. All right. Uh, underdog is a big trope in Philadelphia, as you know, Mike. I'm going to give you another one. Blitz, 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 yeah. blitz, blitz, blitz. So I want to tell you, I want you to say what's true and what's false. The narrative is Patrick Mahomes is great against the blitz. Don't blitz him. Don't ever blitz him. Yes. Um, on the other hand, the, the narrative is Steve Spagnuolo is going to blitz and Jonathan Gannon isn't. It's They're incredibly close from a percentage-wise. I think people don't yes. realize yes. Uh, as far as the Chiefs and Eagles and how much they blitz. Yeah. How, how big of an impact is the blitz going to have in this game? Mahomes remains very lethal against the blitz. He's also gotten more efficient and, and uh, you, you know, efficient is the word. When you go and play cover two shell, he's more likely to just pick, pick, pick at you now. And a couple years ago, he didn't like playing pick, pick. It's like, Tyreek, get the ball to Robert. Now he'll pick. So it's a little bit of a choose your poison. What the Eagles have is they don't need to blitz. And that's like, I don't know what Gannon plans to do, but if I look at the matchups along the lines, is you do not need the blitz, and the team that does not need the blitz is usually at a big advantage. You're going to get a, a pass pressure no matter what. It's funny what you said about Spags. If you look at the percentages, you're right. He has not blitzed that much this year. Now, some of that can be situational. You're not going to blitz that much when you're up by 22 points. So it's like, yeah, now we can yeah. sit back and yell and goof around. He also – does a lot of things that look like blitzes, but he's only rushing for Spags does love sending a safety from here, but then dropping like Frank Clark or somebody from over here. So he brings pressure in a lot of these unique ways. Eagles have answers for that. If you start doing all these like manipulative pressures where you're dropping your defensive ends and stuff like that, the Eagles have an answer. We run. The Eagles run the ball against that. Oh, okay. You're, you're, you're going to lane Johnson tee off in the sky while he's backpedaling. That sounds like fun. They're going to run that play. So, I don't think Gannon's going to blitz a lot. I think that that would be a foolish change in uh, uh, tactics at this point. But I think the Eagles can be effective with their front four, rotating all those guys. All right, again, now I'm going to go back to a comparison where neither are on the field at the same time. Shoot, neither are on the field. Andy Reid against Nick Sirianni. Been there, done that guy in Andy Reid. Nick Sirianni, first time ever in the Super Bowl. 
I like the way Nick has handled his business since they beat yeah. San Francisco. He looks calm, cool, and collected, but experience is experience, and Kansas City has the edge there. Does the Chiefs coaching staff have an edge over the Eagles coaching staff coming into the Super Bowl? Yes, and that's like the Chiefs stack. Mahomes is the stack. Kelsey's the stack. Reed's the stack of, of things that they pile up and say, these are the reasons we can win here. And Reed is the second best coach of this century. He's, I, I was, we were trying to figure it out. He's probably fifth or sixth on the all-time head coaching list in the NFL right now. If you start looking at these head coaches along the way, especially the fact that he's had so much success with two teams, you take guys like Chuck Noll, the Steelers. It's like you were a phenomenal coach. You had one group of guys, and you won. You never went and rebuilt and restacked it the way that Andy did. Andy's got the bye. We all know years back we were talking about the Andy coming off the bye. That's legitimate. You don't want to totally discount Nick Sirianni, though. And one of the things that the Eagles have impressed me with week after week after week this year is their ability to change in-game. Andy Reid can change a little bit from week to week. He can come up with new stuff. He can surprise you. And he just has a team that's always completely prepared. Guy number 52 on the roster is prepared to step in. We saw that against the Bengals where these young rookie cornerbacks had to come in and they're getting interceptions all of a sudden. We saw for the, in the playoffs with Sirianni, oh, tactic one on offense doesn't work. On the fly, shift gears, tactic two. Okay, now we're a running game again. Now we're a screen team again. Now we're going to be a bomb team again. I think Reed has the edge, but I don't think I discount Sirianni and say, oh, this kid, this kid's going to get, you know, exposed or something like that. I think that would be a foolish thing to suggest. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, and you're right, I'm, I've been really impressed with the way the Eagles sort of um, shift and, and toggle in games, especially offensively. And, and Shane Steichen's talked about this with us, Mike, all the time. Is You know, he's one of those guys, if you're allowing him to do something, he's going to keep doing it again and again yeah. and again and again. Yeah. I, you know, we always talk about identity in football. You got to have an identity. You got to have an identity. I'm I'm at the point where the Eagles are the exact opposite. They don't have an identity because they might beat you one way, and they might you might try to take away AJ Brown bracket. Then they're going to run you to death. It might be the opposite, and they're going to go down the football field defensively. You know, one of the most impressive parts about Jonathan Gannon, we didn't get to see it because Brock Purdy was only out there for six plays, but he had his guys jumping in breaking routes. Because he knew yeah. that's what, what Brock Purdy wanted to do. Ultimately, even if he stays healthy, I think the Eagles are going to route that team. Can't prove it. That's just my feeling I got. They don't <laughs> right. really have an identity. Is that a good thing? I think the Eagles do have identity. First of all, like they're perceived here as the team. Like it's Mahomes versus this team. I think that's a little bit of a downgrade of what Jalen Hurts has accomplished, et cetera. But like the, here, here comes this monolith with no weaknesses coming at you, and that's the identity. When I look at them offensively, I see this. I, I see a team that's got this shell, and the shell is you've got these two guys, Brown and Smitty, who are going to be your deep guys, but they can also be your screen guys because there's a lot of screen stuff, and Goddard who can do the screen stuff, and you've got a quarterback who can trigger in two, three ways, hand off, keep, throw. Up. And it's also kind of built around that. You know, I know what teams are going to look like when they line up. I think we're going to have three on one side, one on the other, the shotgun running back in the backfield, and there's going to be a play fake in the backfield. So I think there's an identity there. What's amazing about that identity is the versatility that's built into it. That at that snap, uh, Jalen looking at the line, 
can say, I've got one, two, three, four things I can do with this personnel group with this without move, moving people all over creation. And that's what has made the Eagles so difficult to stop week in and week out. It's not an identity like we're just a power running team or we're a bomb team or we're a West Coast offense, but it still is an identity in its own right. All right. Uh, completely unfair question, but you're up to the task, Tanya. I know you. Uh, I need help with a player prop bet that I'm considering. <laughs> the under over on players who will throw a pass in the Super Bowl is two and a half. Wow. That would be Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Will a third individual throw a pass in this game? And if so, if you want, just want to take a flyer on who you think it would be, uh, lay it on me. Oh, I love that prop. I love that prop. You don't, I don't want to see a quarterback injury on either side, but you win with a quarterback injury. You win with a fake punt. Yep. I would go over because, I mean, that bet, first of all, it exists to go over. It exists for you to sit there and wait for the trick play and jump up. And yeah. That's why you make a bet. Honestly, I would say McKinnon, you know, running those that, that thing. Uh, it will not be Kelsey because no one wants to see Kelsey throw a pass. That's, that's, we've, we've established that. And I say another possibility with Tommy Townsend, the, the punter uh, for the Chiefs, because I, I can see Andy certainly throwing something in there. Yeah. For some reason, I don't see the Eagles going on their side and doing it. But they've got some things in there. Quez Watkins going over the top to, uh, to uh, Devontae Smith. It's possible. Yeah, Take the over. Yeah. Take the possible, over. but not, not possible. Game. And yeah. see, this is why tenure's this good. The only player on either team that has thrown a pass that wasn't supposed to throw a pass a year. Henny did fill it in. Uh, Gardner Minshew did fill it in. Tommy Townsend was the only one. The Eagles tried none. Zero for the entire yeah, year. The Eagles, Someone yeah. other than the quarterback throwing it. Kansas City did it once with Townsend on a fake punt. And, oh, by the way, it was incomplete. Uh, so you nailed the one guy who's done it all year. That's why it's a legit bet because neither one of these teams has shown that this year. Yeah. yeah. Ward isn't on the Eagles roster anymore, so we don't have that. Yeah, Doug Peterson, I feel comfortable. Nick Sirianni, he knows he's got the best team. He's like, why am I going to mess with that nonsense? And yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but Andy, though, could pull out the snow globe. You never know with Andy. <laughs> and he might want to stick it to Philadelphia. Uh, last one for me, Mike, and follow Mike at Mike Tanier on Twitter. FootballOutsiders.com does a tremendous job there. Uh, New York Times Sports, still a contributor there. Um, who's going to win the game, Mike? The Football Outsiders official pick, I think, is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. When you run all the, the DVOA and all the analysis, what? I think they come out. I think they come out like 51.3% chance wow. of winning. So it's like, it, it, it. so, and what the boss Aaron Schatz would say is in that range, it's like, it's, it's a pick them. It's, it's a, a personal yeah. choice situation. You know, like our stats aren't that good. <laughs> like you can like go like that. I look at a game in which the Chiefs have the best coach, best quarterback, and in Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, the second and third best players. And then the I agree. Great minds think alike. I, I was rating. I was rating the top 15 players in this in this game, Mike, and I went one, two, three Chiefs, but then it falls off a cliff for the Chiefs. Because then it falls four, off a cliff. Yeah, four to 40 are the Eagles. It's almost like that. And I look at the Chiefs secondary, and there's something coming up on Football Outsiders about all the rookies in that secondary. And these are very yeah. good rookies, and these were yeah. – I got to interview them the other day, outstanding young dudes who have – 
bright futures ahead of them. And these are rookies who will be covering, you know, Smitty, and will be covering AJ Brown, and will probably be covering Goddard. And uh, that's not a good matchup. That's a horrible matchup when you have a shootout and you say, you know, Trent McDuffie and Joshua Williams are out there. Now, they did the job against the Bengals. Those guys got in. That Bengal wide receiver core is nothing to turn your nose up at, and they did a pretty good job against Burrow and the boys last week. And and Joe Burrow was in the freeway with cars coming every way trying to launch the ball to them. Hurts is going to have a little more protection with a better offensive line. I look at it, and I think it's narrow, but I'm going with the Eagles. We appreciate you jumping in, Mike. Uh, go get uh, free breakfast at the Marriott. Uh, we know we rushed you before you could actually get some cereal into you. Do that before you get over to Radio L. McMullen will see you out there this weekend. Appreciate you coming on Birds 365 today. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. See you soon. That is Mike. Thanks, Mike. One guy who actually, I like being the underdog. He's got a better beard than me. Uh, most people I lop over yeah. as far as uh, beard There's acumen courtyards. How, how, uh, you know, you're at the mercy of the courtyard with the, with the Wi-Fi. But uh, good information. I'm surprised now Eagles fans can embrace it. You know, they're the underdogs again. I'm surprised. As the, per, as per, did yeah. you think Football Outsiders was going there? No, I did Neither not. Neither did I. I did not. I mean, he brings up a good point, the thought process of, you know, best coach, best quarterback. You're usually going to pick that team. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm with them, top three, and then it falls off a cliff for Kansas City. One of the reasons why I like having tenure on is he's got a better vocabulary than me. (laughs) I did not know in leading up to Super Bowl 57, we were going to get the word monolith used. Yeah. Oh, I use it all the time. Come on, Jody. I've used monolith on you. You got to give me credit for that. Really? I'm a big monolith guy because that drives me crazy. I talk about it all the time with the media. Everybody talks about the media like it's a monolith. And, you know, people like Mike and, and me and you, we have different opinions all the time. I talked about it with Jacob Sports. People say, oh, Jacob Sports, somebody said this and they Put us all in a, a, a monolith. No, we're all different. We have different opinions. Well, shit, I can tell you where we're different right now. What is your definition of monolith? Uh, that means uh, a group that is all the same. Is basically very, very group. Uh, uh, everything is rigid. Everything's the same. Really? See, because uh, and and yes, similarity is certainly part of it. But like. At the top of the heap, to me, is monolith. You can't be a monolith if you're a bunch of uh, underachieving individuals. Just the similarity of it. No, monolith to me means like gigantic. Yes. Well, no, it's there's two definitions. If you look it up, it's a it's a block of stone. I mean, it's a you know a a big pillar, but in a you know, a a, 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 a a political environment, it's it's regarded as uniform, uniformity. Understood. So there's 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 two things. To I think I think Mike was using the gigantic pillar uh, yeah. definition yeah. of it when this in describing the Philadelphia Eagles. They are that big, that much better, that that well balanced across the board. Unlike the Chiefs, who are very here's one that I know you've used plenty, and you're right on top heavy. The Chiefs are top heavy. Yeah, they've got very stars, and then they've got a drop off. The Eagles are a monolith in that all the way down the roster. There's talent. There's balance. 
and that's why both Jeff yeah. and I are. Well, I, 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 I'm just pulling it up. So, you know, here's the examples. A large single upright block of stone. We pass stone heads, the strange stone monoliths silhouetted against the horizon. A large and personal political, corporate, or social structure regarded as intractably individual and uniform. The example is the dominance of broadcasting monoliths limits local programming. Um, yeah, so it's it works both ways. Yeah, it, uh, I, I, if I were to use it, and I don't use it often at all, uh, I would use it to describe something that is all-encompassing, that is large, <laughs> large and See, in charge. To me, it's, it's uniformity, because that's my pet peeve. People think the media is uniform. We are not. We yeah. we all have differing opinions. You you, uh, look, we are you not... lean toward definition B. I'm going to yes. go with definition A of gigantic. And the Eagles are the monolith in this game, much to the chagrin of the Eagle fans who want to try and play the underdog card. Can't happen. The Eagles are the monolith. In Except this by matchup. football outsiders algorithm, fifty one point three percent. There you go. Yeah, cling to that football cool. outsiders uh, number crunching yeah. says the Chiefs are the favorite. You thinking of algorithms? Hit that. Hit that favorite. Uh, hit that like button. Yeah, I thought I said algorithm. Yeah, that's true. We've got a good uh, following in today. Thank you all for streaming in. We will come back. We'll put a bow on the show. But before we come back, before we ever go to break. We need you right now to hit that like button. Come on. To show a little love to the non-monolith that Mac yes. and Mac are here on yes. 365. We argue all the time. We can't be a monolith. Yeah, but we're pretty huge. Uh, or at least we are today with the number <laughs> I'm, of streamers we have. Uh, appreciate you guys all streaming in. Hit the like button and come back and watch us put a bow on the show on Birds 365. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth, born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. 
Show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game. Now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Guys, coming down the home stretch, putting the ball on the show here on Birds 365. All right, we've gone an hour and 55 minutes, and we have not talked about, have not tackled the biggest Philadelphia Eagles story uh, leading into four days before the Super Bowl. And that's the fact that Philadelphia Eagle fans cannot get a midnight green jersey with a Super Bowl patch on it so that they can wear it the same as Jalen Hurts or A.J. Brown or Lane Johnson or anybody else on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, you and I both have expressed our opinion on merch, on uniforms, and the like, and neither one of us is moved much by the needle as no, to what you can or no. can't wear with that's, Eagles that's do a, or don't That's wear. a Jeff Kerr spot. He's, he's a uniform guy. Definitely is. He's, he's a uni guy, but... You've heard the backstory to this, right? I have not. This, because this, I, yeah, I don't. And I don't know this to be 100% true, but it makes sense. It was told to me yesterday. You know, the Eagles changed their logo. Oh, uh, yeah. The word mark. Yeah. The, the word dreaded mark. word mark. Yeah. Correct. So Nike is the producer of the, the uniform shirts. Well, when the Eagles changed the word mark, they only had X amount of jerseys, and then they had to start production of the ones with the new ones. Well, Nike ran out of jerseys. <laughs> that this season has been so good. Usually you just slap that new Super Bowl logo on an existing jersey and you roll it out there and you sell it. But because the Eagles changed their word mark, they didn't make as many jerseys as they usually do. And they basically ran behind. So you get to the Super Bowl and everybody's been buying jerseys all year long. And all of a sudden Nike goes, yeah, we don't have any more of the green midnight ones. And that's, uh, we could go off on a tangent on that. But here's the question I got to ask you, because I saw it on Crossing Broad. How many of these great jerseys have you ever seen? That's the only one they have for sale right now is an Eagles gray jersey. They don't wear gray jerseys. Why the hell would you ever buy a gray Eagles jersey? It makes no sense to me. What the hell is Nike doing? Uh, you don't I care. Don't you don't care. Uh, well, uh, I just want uh, to bring up because uh, Eagle fans care. You're right. You yeah. don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Other than what the hell is gray? Since when did the Eagles ever? I guess. Gray? Well, that's why nobody bought them. So I guess why they're left. They're and, all left yeah. over. Yeah, they're all left over, and they can slap the Super Bowl logo on it. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? Know. And that's then that's a tip of a cap to the Eagle fans out there. Why the hell would you ever well, buy a great? I jersey? mean, the bigger thing, if if you want my thought process on the whole thing, the bigger thing is the NFL's stupid. Just sell whatever at all times. You know. All right. You 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 change the word, but they have all these arcane rules. Well, you change the word mark. You're changing your logo, so. You, you have two years to do this and 12 months to do that. Now that good point. That's very yeah, good. that I can get behind. I'm like, no. All right. In fact, you know, Oregon, look, if you have all these 
uh, people that are buying merchandise. What did Oregon do? They changed their uniforms every stinking week. Who cares? Uh, yeah, that's, that, that would be my take. That is one of those areas where we have to hope again it leaks up to the National Football League. A lot of offensive strategies and way to play have become uh, commonplace college football, and they, they leak upwards into the NFL handling of merchandise. They should yeah. learn from Oregon. Oh, you can't use a, a, a black helmet with a green jer- uh, uh, Who cares? You got you got a good point there, Johnny Mac. Hey, uh, good show today. I know you're leaving for uh, the uh, West Coast on uh, Friday, but you are going to be here with me tomorrow, right? Correct. Um, right. Tomorrow, uh, Mac and Mac uh, here. That, Mac and Mac Part Two. On Friday, it'll be Mac and Tone. Tone will be stepping yeah. in for uh, Johnny Mac, so I'm looking forward to that. But first thing first, Mac and Mac back here tomorrow in Two and Two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.